everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rich podcast, volume 6, issue 282, Super Mario Kart. You can play along with us though, our next few podcasts include The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings, the continuing story of Geralt. Then it's a big one, it's Destiny, around the time of the release of Destiny 2, if we've got things synchronised well enough. Following that, it's our second Double Dragon podcast. This time we'll be covering Double Dragon Neon, Double Dragon 2, Wander of the Dragons, and Double Dragon 4. If that doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, hopefully it will after you've listened to the podcast. Following that, we're going back to the beginning for Mortal Kombat, covering the first few games in that. So Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and MK Trilogy. And after that, it's uh, 20 years or thereabouts since Westwood's classic movie tie-in game of Blade Runner came out. Uh, And thankfully, thanks to Carl, we have a copy of that between us uh, because there's no other way of playing it, I don't think, uh, these days. The only way is through Carl. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, uh, email Carl (laughs) if you want to borrow his copy of of Blade Runner. (laughs) Head to canerince.com for articles, uh, features, reviews, the full schedule up to issue uh, 300, I should say, at the end of this year, as well as links to our friendly, busy and intelligent video gaming forum. Also, our Facebook page where we do lots of news and things like that. We also have a YouTube channel which uh, has content sporadically added and plenty of stuff that's already there to enjoy. And if you enjoy what we do, uh, the podcast and everything else, you can support us in a number of ways. You can like and subscribe in the usual fashion on iTunes and other podcast platforms. But we do now, uh, actually, for the last year and a half or more, we have a Patreon. Uh, No hidden content, but uh, if you want to donate that minimum of a dollar a month or more is even more gratefully received. Uh, It all gets ploughed back into us doing what we do, which takes a considerable amount of time and resource. And if we reach a target of $3,000 per month, uh, by mid-November, we'll actually look at doing double the number of Cane and Rinse podcasts in 2018 from 50 up to 100. So that's your incentive currently. Head to patreon.com slash and see if we can make it happen. If you want to buy some merch, though, you can go to the shop, shop.spreadshirt.co.uk. T-shirts and bags, sound of play bags, uh, sorry, T-shirts as well. You can probably get a Sound of Play bag. I don't know exactly how it works. That probably happens. Uh, But that's our other podcast, Sound of Play. It's video games music. We're up to well over 100 now. We have the team on it. We have guests on it. We have composers. We have people from the community. And it's an awful lot of fun. Some people who listen say it's their favourite podcast of all the podcasts. So uh, check it out if you haven't already. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 282, ah, welcome back, Darren Gargett. Oh, hello. He's been a bit busy. It's Carl Moon. He's been on every show recently, pretty much. Hey, guys. And it's our Dutch correspondent, Mikiel Kroder. Hello. Hello, hello. So, Super Mario Kart, I don't think I really need to explain uh, exactly what it is, but it is often credited with creating the kart racing subgenre of games. Uh, and obviously, it has led to a number of other developers and publishers to duplicate that success. And uh, as we continue throughout the uh, Mario Kart games, which we haven't scheduled more than the, the second game in a series yet, but no doubt we'll re- keep returning to the series. And we'll talk more about the clones and me twos uh, and spiritual uh, rip-offs um, as we go through the uh, as we go through the legacy uh, and the game of course is also uh, has been key to expanding Mario into genres beyond 
platforming. Uh, and in fact, uh, the Mario Kart games... I think routinely now outsell the core Mario games. I think that's pretty much true. Certainly has been in, in recent years um, with uh, Mario Kart. I think Mario Kart Wii massively outsold Mario Galaxy on the Wii and uh, and Mario Kart 8, I think at least uh, more than matched um, New Super Mario Brothers, U and so on and so on. So uh, we shall see whether Mario Odyssey can outdo Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but that's slightly a mismatch in that Eight Deluxe is a re-release of a three-year-old game. But anyway, uh, it wasn't actually the very, very first game involving kind of big-headed characters in little carts or indeed sort of dinky vehicles. Um, I don't have too many examples in my head to name-check, but I feel like Sega's Power Drift coin-op is one that may have had a little influence, albeit indirectly. It's got no um, shooting mechanics or weapons power-ups, but it does have character racers in carts and there was also rare's uh, nintendo game of course rc pro-am which although it's radio controlled cars perhaps has a bit more of a knockabout feel but then that was probably a spiritual successor to the likes of atari sprint and the many games that that spawned as well yeah but um, rc pro-am has uh, has weapons indeed you can place bombs behind you on the track and you can fire off missiles yeah yeah very true and there were other uh wheeled vehicles with weapons in games like Spy Hunter, Road Blasters and many others. So uh, Mario Kart wasn't perhaps the first to do any individual element, but it was perhaps the first to marry all these uh, different things together. So it came out on the Super Famicom on August the 27th, 1992. That is around about exactly 25 years ago, hence us doing this podcast. It arrived in the USA in September 92. And in the EU a few months later, in January 1993, and in traditional fashion at the time, it was unoptimized, uh, a PAL version with thick black borders, top and bottom of the screen, a distorted image and 15% or thereabouts slower game speed. We didn't really know. We were just starting to become aware and conscious of this stuff, but generally the magazines weren't bothered they weren't they weren't likely to knock down review scores for the pal versions they were pretty much they would occasionally make allusions to the fact that they were still playing the the american version or whatever um but uh we just used to go and buy them without worrying about it too much uh these days i think it would not go down very well at all if a if one region got a massively inferior version of a game to to the others our first piece of correspondence, which we shall intersperse throughout the show, is from Alex79UK, who says, Super Mario Kart was one of the defining games of the generation for me. My brother and I played it for hours upon hours, and we knew every single track like the back of our hands. It was always a dash to see who could get to the shortcuts first, the feather jump in the ghost house, the cutaway in the wall on donut planes, bumping each other off the track on Rainbow Road. Absolutely brilliant tracks. Great power-ups and weapons from the days before the Blue Shell annoyances. I always raced as the Cooper Trooper, although if on the rare occasion my foe would bagsy him first, then Toad was a decent second choice. Mainly, though, we'd play battle mode, incredible fun, and a mode which, for me, has yet to be bettered. The four stages were perfectly designed and would all get equal playtime, each requiring slightly different tactics. I don't have much more to say other than it's a game I have incredibly fond memories of and one that I'll still load up and have a, a few races on even now. Mm. Yeah, the Cooper-Toad combo was very common in our house. We yeah. always race for Cooper and then if that was taken, you'd go, oh man, and then go for Toad. 
Yeah, the light characters were popular. Yeah, I, I had exactly the same experience with it. The Koopa Trooper just look, looked cooler to me. Uh, it looked a bit like a pillock. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> how dare you? How <laughs> well, absolutely Leon dare. is at a least, known Toad fan. That is Toad Olive. At least in Super Mario Kart he did in, in comparison to, uh, to Koopa Trooper. I saw. I think that's why I like him a bit. He's sort of he is a bit pillicky, and and then he got and then he found his really pillicky voice in Mario Kart sixty four. <laughs> but oh. we'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come to yeah. that in a few months' time. Uh, so only re releases really for Super Mario Kart have been on uh, v- Nintendo Virtual Console. So it, it came out on the Wii VC in two thousand and nine and two thousand and ten. Europe came out on the Wii U again in uh, two thousand thirteen two thousand fourteen. And uh, it finally eventually arrived on handheld on the N3DS only, not the old 3DS because uh, because Nintendo uh, Virtual Console uh, on March 2016. But of course, that version doesn't have multiplayer functionality. Our correspondent Joshi Hatsumitsu says Super Mario Kart was and for the most part still is super easy to pick up and play and takes a bit of practice to master and a bit of luck too. Okay, maybe a lot of luck. The rubber banding of opponent races was something perhaps I didn't understand or was aware of at the time. It certainly felt more prevalent in later titles. Hmm. But in the original, I know if I tried and tried again, I could make progress. And this, like quite a few Super Nintendo titles, feels right at home on my 3DS. The Mushroom Cup is about the right length and difficulty if I want a quick blast through without a heavy time commitment, and it's still as fun today as it was in its heyday. My love for this uh, for this title is definitely tied to my experiences growing up and playing it at the time, or reading about it in gaming magazines. To be objective, I can't be. If you have a new 2DS or 3DS, why not get it? It translates pretty well to a handheld and stands up well to modern kart racers and the controls are still tight and it's as casual or as deep as you want it to be. And of course, one other release we should talk about is the forthcoming one next month. Uh, I don't know if it is. Is it September everywhere? The Nintendo Classic Mini hmm. Super Famicom yeah, sounds about right. SNES. Uh, so that will be another way to play Super Mario Kart if you can get one and if you don't mind ponying up the money. So the game was by Nintendo EAD, of course, with uh, Tadashi Sugiyama and Hideki Kono directing, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto producing. And we'll talk about some of the other uh, personalities as we go along who are involved. The game sold on cartridge 9 million copies, almost, nearly. Uh, and we have no idea how many digital copies it sold on the on the multiple virtual console releases. Reviews at the time were strong, 96% in CMVG, 94% in Superplay, 92% in Nintendo Magazine System, 88% in Enforce, and over in the States, 5 out of 5 in GamePro, and a 9, a 9, an 8, and an 8 in EGM. Uh, so let's uh, go to the team and find out our own histories with Super Mario Kart. Let's start with uh, the oldest panelist, other than myself, the host, Mikhail. Yeah, um, believe it or not, I never owned a copy of Super Mario Kart. Mm. Um, despite uh, the Super Nintendo being my only gaming system of the time. Mm. Um, and I didn't have to because everybody else owned it. So I could play it at other people's yeah. houses or could borrow it from anyone at any given time. And this kind of uh, continued up until 1990, as late as 1996, I believe, uh, uh, when my girlfriend at the time, um, she worked at a daycare, a kid's daycare center. And they had a, um, 
they had a Super Nintendo over there, which she used to take home for the weekend. And we used to play nice. in her in her apartment in uh, the heart of Amsterdam. We used to yeah, play a regular game of Mario Kart against each other as well at the, t- at the time. So it was a game I've been playing all throughout the system's lifespan uh, without ever having a copy on my own shelves. And been playing, yeah, I played a whole lot of it, enjoyed a whole lot of it, and I also like Alex seventy nine UK. It's also interesting to look back at those times and just think about how much time we put in the battle modes, and that oh, that's yeah. something that I've never repeated with any Mario Kart game ever since. That that's putting that much time into the battle mode. That's cool, uh, Carl. How about you? Did you get this uh, at the time? I know you've you've got a a, a sort of a mixed uh, relationship with Mario Kart, as many people have. Yeah, the Mario Kart is a strange game in my lifetime where I can't actually place where I first encountered playing it. Um, mm. And it's kind of bizarre because I remember when I first played the likes of Mario All-Stars or when I first played Super Mario World, and I think I can remember those because they're the genres that I'm really in with and, and the kart racing, as I'm sure I'll discuss later on, is something that I am a bit hit and miss with. So... For me, my first interactions were with the media, uh, the likes of Games Master, the um, shows we'd see on TV and the, the huge magazine campaigns, uh, and, and seeing this game being played constantly. I mean, it was a, it was a mainstay on TV. It was, it was clearly a very big deal, and it was something that I was craving to play. Uh, it looked beautiful, but it was mainly the, the look of the bigger characters, so unlike... Darren and and Mikel, for me it was Bowser and Donkey Kong Jr. that I really wanted to play and there's still something I find kind of cutesy about the way that they handle their carts uh, Mm. that really drew me into wanting to play Mm. Super Mario Kart. Uh, It's it's an interesting aesthetic, like this big characters uh, that are way, way down crammed in these uh, small cards yeah. and I, I find that so much more appealing than the little characters so whenever I came to play it at a later date and people would rush for the, the smaller characters I was I was just happy to play with the big ones um, and, and I was a fan of the racing games you know the likes of uh, Skid Marks etc on the Amiga mm. uh, the, the top down racers RC Pro I'm another one uh, that I really would enjoy and I felt like it as time went on it became this game that somehow kept eluding me. I just hadn't quite got my hands on on it. And uh, my first memory of playing it is way after the fact. And I, I like I say, I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it is, but I remember playing it with friends um, in, in split screen. But it, it's one of the few games where I've never actually been able to pinpoint what year it was or at what point it was, but it was definitely not when the game first came out. Um and I was just overwhelmed with the media presence, uh, knowing I needed to play it. And uh, obviously, at some point, I eventually got round to it. Yeah, it kind of came from nowhere a bit. Once you know, it started to hit UK magazines, uh, I guess once I guess the hype built up between the Japanese release and and the power release. Uh, but up until that point, I don't remember it being sort of heavily previewed or anything. It was it was a bit of a kind of bolt from the blue and in 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 that it was you know it was one of these it was one of the first sort of mario spin-offs um but yeah as soon as the as soon as the magazines got hold of import copies uh they started uh sort of raving about it yeah it was darren gargett Mm. uh known nintendo fan yeah super mario kart and you (laughs) 
Yeah, kind of the same along the same lines as Carl. I don't really remember when I first saw it, which is again quite weird because I remember most of the other firsts with the Nintendo franchises. Um, mm. I just remember being cannon fodder because I was my brother. It, my, my brother had the Super NES, my older brother, and obviously I was the the whipping boy. You know, I was the cannon fodder. He wanted to play battle mm. mode. He called me in. He wanted to do Rainbow Road on the 150cc. He called me in. So I was literally <laughs> yeah. doing the monkey work for him and. Uh, yeah, um, but I don't. I never owned a copy until you know until I had enough money to start buying games. So this game came out when I was about nine or ten. So I was just you know on the cusp of you know understanding what owning stuff was in my room. I, I didn't have any games at all really. It was all from my brother. Um, yeah, so I was literally just player two really, and um, and substitute player one when my brother couldn't handle the pressure. But all these kind of moments built up into you know me owning my own copy and absolutely mastering it within you know within moments you know i just flew through all the cups and then hmm. i was uh i was a force to be reckoned with yeah um i it's a weird one because i never really played racing games before this i played spy hunter on the amstrad i guess and other kind of games that involve cars but i'd never really seen i'd seen f-zero so i made the link there but hmm. i never really got my hands truly on a racing game until now and it's kind of confusing to me that I don't really understand why I don't remember when I first saw it because me and Nintendo, we it kind of sticks in my brain. So yeah, um, an odd start to the series for me. Uh, yeah, for me it was, uh, I think I got my first Super Nintendo late 93 or early 94, so Super Mario Kart had already been around. I have a feeling I may have played it on somebody else's before then in, in multiplayer, uh, well, two-player as it was, Um I ended up owning multiple copies. I kept buying it and trading it, uh, but ended up playing it an awful lot. And I've bought it again since on every virtual console re-release there's been. Uh, and I still go back to it now and again. Um, obviously, I've, yeah, I've had some kind of relationship with every game in the series because I, I am a fan. But um, I have a weird one with Super Mario Kart in that um, I don't think I ever really... I, I don't think I did what you did, Darren. I don't think I ever really got the handling. <laughs> I still don't get the handling. I'll, mm. I'll still play it. I'll still time trial it. I've done almost everything on the game, although I have a feeling that I never gold-cupped the special 150cc. I have a feeling I was taunted forever by a silver cup on one of those cartridges because it's it's evil, as we'll go on to discuss. It's a cheat. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's, it's not even a cheat. It's predetermined what's going to happen, and you have to try to break that predetermination. That's how the single-player game works. But having said that, I have enormously fond memories of being absolutely furious with this game over and over again some of the worst swearing some of the most unpleasant things i've i've uttered me and my friends teaming up to co-op the grand prix is was just an absolute it was a laugh riot and we knew the game was bent we knew it was robbing us we knew that it we were not on an even playing field with the other cartists that was not the point but it was it was a seeing about how much we could do to to mess them up and we even you talking about co-oping the the grand prix it was even a case where yeah one of you would become you were trying to get the gold cup for one of you and the re the other one was basically a, a sacrificial pawn who, mm. who was who was just trying to disrupt the AI as much as possible to stop to to try to do anything that would knock the the AI uh, predetermination off its uh, off its axis. 
Yeah, my my closest school friend at the time who uh, owned the game and who I played with most um, remarked just how uncanny it was, how much the developers could make you hate these very cutesy characters in this game. Like it's, you would absolutely wish the, the most horrible things on them uh, when they when they hit you with something and whizzed by you. Oh, it's astonishing! It's almost ta- so taunting to see the cute characters really make a mockery yeah. of you. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, when you get the game over and you see the continue number go down, and your oh. character just goes poof into thin air, you're like, that, that actually like stays in my memory as a, you know, the and you see the number go, and you're like, oh my god, pressure is absolutely on, and yeah, that kind of just seeing Mario, oh no, Toad or Cooper poof into nothingness, and then the number go down, and my brother going, you better get this right, Darren. You better get this right. Rainbow Road is the hardest track, and I'm like, oh god, okay, James, I'll do it for you, mate. It was awful. It's it's also twee that the, the 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 juxtaposition between the tweeness of the action and although technically it looked it was really impressive back in the early nineties mid nineties the mode, mode seven thing, it was still cutesy and twee, uh, and the yeah that juxtaposition between that and what the language and the sort of the environment in which we were playing it was lots of alcohol lots of cigarettes lots of really unpleasant swearing horrible language directed <laughs> particularly at princess peach and also luigi uh, things that you wouldn't say these days probably uh and it was that but that was the fun that was like it was it was just this yeah it was like it was one of those things that yeah, you you loved and hated it in equal measure, and that's probably why I kept trading it. Mm. I was probably, I lo- I've had enough of this. I'm furious with it. And then <laughs> next time I'd see it in a bargain bin, I'd be like, "Yeah, I need to play that again because we had so much fun with it." And I, th- I think the 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 that sort of twee style and having those characters was really interesting because the the rage that this game would bring about was like very little else has ever done for me, and to some degree still is. I think. Yeah. You know, this is one of the things about kart races in general, um, but specifically Mario Kart, because if it didn't have that set of characters in it, I would have long since been the game and probably never gone back. But yeah. I felt like I will not be defeated by Prime Nintendo and their great legendary characters. <laughs> I, I need to play it for that reason. And it's why when games like, um, was it Street Racer on the... Yes, that's really the first clone to market. Yeah, yeah. and and that was a huge deal um, around my school, and people were loving it. Obviously, the PlayStation was super powerful. uh, Mm. It was four-player, and and people were finally getting in their homes, and they were so keen on it. And I played it, and I hated it. I mean, I hated it in a way that I really attribute to kart racers, but for some reason I could never allow that level of hate towards Mario Kart, and I think that is purely in part because of the characters. Uh, Blue Weasel Breath from the forum uh, talking about the experience of coming to Super Mario Kart slightly later uh, a worthwhile perspective uh, obviously for some of our listeners may be particularly relevant especially if they've just if they've only just engaged with Nintendo via a Switch or something and, and they've missed out on all this stuff uh, and playing MK8 Deluxe it would be it would be pretty weird now to I think to to boot up Super Mario Kart on your on your SNES Mini or whatever uh, Blue Weasel Breath says the original Super Mario Kart was one of the few SNES classic games I didn't play around the time it came out I was never into racing games so it didn't appeal to me even though I loved Mario I wish I had played it at the time because I feel that I've now missed my chance to really get into the game My friend had Mario Kart 64 and I loved that game and spent hours playing it at his house when it came out, but I only tried out the SNES original a couple of months ago. My experience was that it was just a less interesting and immersive experience than Mario Kart 64. We go around the track a couple of times and that's it. 
Maneuvering felt less exciting, getting power-ups felt less fun, and hurting the other racers felt less gratifying. I surprised myself with his reaction since I'm a huge fan of SNES-era games and fell out of gaming shortly around the 32 and 64-bit era. There is almost no case in which I prefer the 16-bit polygon version of anything to its sprite-based uh, 16-bit counterpart, including any other Mario game. But, in this is instance, because I played Mario Kart 64 first and never dug racing games that much otherwise, Super Mario Kart was a bit of an anticlimax to me. I feel a bit sad that I missed my chance to really love this game, as most others do. Mm, yeah, uh, but that's uh, a very, yeah, very important to get that perspective, I think. Uh, so going back to 92, uh, the site that we've uh, cribbed from before, Schmupulations, uh, and we're not the only ones, I've seen plenty of news articles uh, taking quotes from this interview, a translated interview from 1992 uh, with the development team. Uh, Miyamoto said, we started doing some early experiments in fall of 1990, and when it looked like we were onto something fun, we chose the director's. Much more recently in Retro Gamer magazine, the UK published uh, magazine, now with Future, its third publisher, uh, earlier this year, issue 167, Mario Kart, The Untold Story. Uh, again, Miyamoto, Kono and Sugiyama were all uh, consulted, I believe, or they're certainly quoted. Uh, it was la latterly revealed, really, that um, Super Mario Kart began life as a multiplayer F-Zero sequel uh, concept anyway, but the hardware was unable to uh, give the speed in multiplayer that an F-Zero game would require. Uh, so karting became seemed to make more sense, and they started with a sort of generic overall character uh, who was apparently carrying a banana, um, but... Uh, they felt this was a little bland and lacking in personality, so Miyamoto uh, and co. decided to stick the Mario characters in there. Remember, that was a, a slightly revolutionary idea at the time because he was this uh, platforming game character. There was no, no golf, no tennis. Yeah, so it seems like a few other uh, things that came in early quite... Uh, in the concept uh, came to fruition so apparently the, their original generic character was carrying or holding a banana um, and some of the some of that personality uh, <laughs> why he was carrying a banana I don't know if he wasn't a Donkey Kong but uh, using the banana was what Miyamoto told them to do and so that meant Donkey Kong characters or Donkey Kong Jr. and uh, and banana peels uh, there was no speedometer because uh, they didn't want it to sort of have the same trappings as a traditional race it was they wanted it more to be about the feel than it was about the numbers um, that kind of thing uh, they also said there was no rigid design dock at any point and uh, that 30 to 40 percent of the development was done through simply chatting rather than formal meetings with few written notes taken it was very much like a you know a game jam kind of situation we've heard this before when we've talked about nintendo products with certain titles uh, like Link's awakening sounds very much like it was that kind of thing almost a bit of a uh, a sort of a backroom kind of doing it for the fun of it kind of thing um and yeah it sounds like they you know they they just uh, they just kept making it because it was fun and kept adding and tweaking things until the people who were making it were having a good time with it, basically. I mean, conceptually, even at the time, the fact that we'd never had another Mario game outside of the sort of the platform style, it was so sort of ridiculous that it was it it does come across as kind of that we'll do this for fun 
just as like a side project that could have come about as sort of a main thing that that freedom that they've had in the development process um and i think that's always the thing that really drew me towards this game is that it it clearly is mario and it looks like mario but it's so different to how we've ever seen him before why did they release this it's kind of crazy i need to play it um and and it was just like that so left field like you said leon it, it really did seem to just come about quite suddenly um mm. and the fact that it was so unexpected for nintendo at that time um it, it that that's kind of what drew me in towards this thing and and it's definitely a game that w- was no rigid design document you can just you can tell um with the whole feel of it uh there's a lot of logs uh, uh and interviews and stuff that said that the game was not about the cornering, that, that, that it didn't want to be a racing game in the purest sense. It was mm. just a mechanic that yeah. uh, was there to benefit the other features, such as the uh, the tools, the weapons, and and, and whatnot, which yes. uh, very different and, and certainly very interesting for the time. Yes, definitely not a simulation. Uh, apparently, they they early on they they started to try to treat the handling as more of a some kind of realistic karting action, but uh, but they soon found that they weren't having as much fun as as they were with whatever crazy handling model they actually end up in the game, and uh, and obviously the one that a lot of people gelled with. But um, well, we'll come on to how we feel about the handling. Uh, Matten Zvi from the forum says, I guess I was at the age of seven when I played Super Mario Kart with my best friends. Since I didn't have any sort of video game console at home, I was only able to play video games at my friends. His collection was quite representative for Super Nintendo, Super Mario All-Stars, Super Mario World, Super Street Fighter 2, F-Zero and Mario Kart. And since I was too scared of F-Zero, hovercars crashing and exploding in a futuristic city, we always played Super Mario Kart. I sucked pretty hard at it. Racing games in the 16-bit era were somehow incredibly hard for me. I think it was due to the lack of real 3D polygons and the view felt somehow very nearsighted. Upcoming objects were quite hard to recognise from the distance because I kept on losing the races, which led to an early game over. Even though the cut wasn't finished, we turned over to the multiplayer. I sucked at it too. I've been playing video games for over 20 years since then, and when I'm playing Super Mario Kart nowadays, I'm somehow able to deal with it. I'm still not very good at it, but I managed to win some cups. When I listen to the music in the opening screen, I get all nostalgic and imagine myself as a seven-year-old being good at Super Mario Kart. So yeah, let's talk about the visuals. Uh, as I say, they, the whole Mode 7 thing, uh, as a 20-year-old back then, who'd uh, I'd seen this similar effect on the Amiga, this 2D uh, image into 3D. So it wasn't completely new, but the as we've discussed before, the Super Nintendo uh, handled it well. Actually, both this and uh, both Super Mario Kart and the Pilot Wings Kart were actually supported by DS, so-called DSP chips, um, extra extra programming oomph in the cart, which was something that Nintendo had done a lot of in the in the NES era as well. Um, when I play it now, it's it's got it's definitely got a charm but I do find that the yeah the perspective is actually quite weird like mm. it does actually have a bit of an odd effect on my brain now the mode 7 thing um i guess we've just become accustomed to seeing more convincing polygon landscapes it's not just the, the mode 7 thing i think and it's something that i already felt at the time a little bit but mm. a bit because i was playing f0 quite a bit 
Mm. Uh, that was a game that I actually owned. Uh, yeah. um, if you look at F-Zero, of course, it's full screen and mm. you can see far, much further ahead up the The up camera's the track. tilted higher, isn't it, as well? Uh, tilted much higher, yeah. So in Mario Kart, you, you, you have the always on split screen, basically. And yeah, you're, you're right behind the vehicle. And, um, the tracks or the, the Mode 7 flipped and scaled environment, Looks very dithery and very yes, very unstable and and uneven. Mm. And that's something that I always I always from the beginning I felt a bit odd. Maybe that's not maybe that's one of the reasons why I didn't uh, spend my pocket uh, money on on it initially or n- never actually did. I just it looked a bit odd to me. What I did like about the graphics is that it invoked uh, in many ways Super Mario World, which uh, yes. had really won its way into my heart already then. Yeah, but there's always something... There were things about it that I liked and things about it that I dis- disliked the look of the game. The, sprite, the sprites, also the characters, didn't look as nice as the character sprites in uh, Super Mario World to me either. Mm. It looked a bit off, a little, little bit weird. I took a lot of pleasure in seeing the uh, the character select screen and letting them spin around 360 to see the animation on their faces. That was quite a nice touch, like Yoshi's tongue pops out, Donkey Kong Jr. does the arms yes. up and down and Koopa Troopa's eyes go a bit crazy. Um, but in terms of the split screening on single player mode, that always confused me. And I'm wondering, like thinking about it just now, do they accommodate the, the lower camera for some reason with the map at the bottom, you know, to, to kind of give you a more, well, yeah, like, like a clearer view of the actual overall track. So you kind of know where you're going. Like I'd, I'd never, I'd never ever got it before. Like why would you get rid of half the screen for, for a lot of nonsense in my opinion, because you're going so fast around on 150cc at least you're going, you're going so fast around these tracks don't really have time to see what's going on and it's not really necessary i think the you get the uh the little effect where when an uh, enemy cart is about to fire a, a power up against you you get the uh the sort That's of reverse right. mirror, mirror, view yeah. which which is pretty cool like yeah like a rear view mirror but um in later games they gave you the option to kind of muck around with the screen furniture and and whatever else but this one there was no way of having that on all the time was there it was it was the map the map was the screen but yeah i th- i assume it was I, I assume it was limitations or perhaps you know partly for spectator fun i don't know i think so because it's it's not much of a visual aid and no. you completely lose it when you play with two players together of course so i'm yeah. imagining it that just had this sim- similar to the first top gear game on uh, on a super nintendo which also always had a split-screen layout. I think that ju- it's just the way that they coded the game, and they couldn't get around that. Like they, they couldn't do a full-screen version of the game because then it would look that that would really, yeah, it, they would that would require uh, a whole set different set of code, I imagine. And the laps are incredibly short, so it's not like you know that every circuit you only need to learn a handful of corners. I mean, and and that's part of the. The, the charm of it for time trialing in a way is that you've got the, a very memorable short set of corners that you need to basically train your muscle memory to to learn how to navigate. But it's not like a map is particularly any use to you in, in that no. respect. Either. It's especially uh, confusing because when the pictures were in magazines, it never really focused on that split screen look. You would only you'd never see sort of the map below. It was always just the the cart and the track. Mm. Uh, and then when I played it you realise that you're in sort of a split screen and then it has that kind of thing where your cart's turning and the world's turning at the same time to sort of give you that angle. 
And I think this led to many of my issues with how fun I found Super Mario Kart to play mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to how beautiful I found it to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of stills, I mean, even now when I look at screenshots of Super Mario Kart, I adore the visual style of that game. Like, I love it to look at. The colour palette is gorgeous, it, isn't it's, it? And it's beautiful. And yeah. that, that completely sold me on it. I knew I needed to play it. Um, and then I think when I played it that the... It became a little underwhelming in how it felt to play compared mm. to how I imagined it would feel to play from how mm. it looked. But mm. yeah, I mean, beautifully uh, designed uh, graphically in terms of even looking at it now, I, I adore it. Yeah, they got uh, somebody, I believe, called uh, Yoichi Katabe in to do the character graphics, who was uh, more well, works on Pokemon movie stuff now, uh, but has been working in animation since the 1950s. And uh, was uh, yes, uh, uh, an an anime kind of uh, stalwart, born in 1936. Um, so and I, yeah, I think that that was to get the character of of the, those those Mario uh, icons across. Although I suppose one could, although Super Mario Brothers, we were already up to Super Mario Brothers four by that point. You could argue that these characters were slightly less iconic then, simply by virtue of only having been around for a decade or so mm. at that at that stage. Whereas now, well, bad Donkey Kong. Which was immediately recognisable, wasn't it? But it was, you know, Still we had only we, ten years though. We had this. Um, the old master sort of came in to do this this art style, and uh, it sold me on it. And it's something that I, I very much put the power of the art style of a Super Mario Kart to my desire to want to play it. Um, and I'm sort of only just putting this together now in that the ones that I've really liked the art style of, which was Super Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart 64 and Super Mario Kart 8. They're the ones that I've sort of really wanted to get my hands on. And then the other ones I've not actually found that visually appealing. And uh, I've just been a case of I'll play them when I get round to them. Um, So certainly graphically in terms of uh, how appealing I find the art style, Mario Kart has a huge impact on how much I actually want to play those games, largely in part because of the genre. Um, but, But certainly in the case of Mario Kart, it was the first one that got me into wanting to play it was based on the graphics it's kind of that don't judge a book by its cover but i did interesting you've done the thing there not not to you know call you out on it but you've done the exact thing that that i think is quite interesting that people still do which is call all the subsequent games super mario kart there is only one yeah. super mario kart but yeah. i think it's quite telling that that um it, people almost took that that uh, prefix for super nintendo games as a kind of descriptor which which was i guess what nintendo were after after yeah um mario karts plural was the other one that also yes. that people always used to say and still do sometimes and it's it's as annoying as alex the kid that's my <laughs> one we're going back to it uh, with Carl said um, it's I'm almost completely the opposite there I always felt the game looked very flat uh, mm. like a lot of 16-bit games of that time already if you look like what exactly came out before the Super Nintendo port of uh, Street Fighter 2 uh, has all the this yeah has all the shading on the characters and everything and I, I felt like despite the mode 7 graphics the game looked very flat to me um, and yeah, like I said before, the, the 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 track perspective just makes everything look pretty messy uh, to me. And but despite that, even though I didn't find it appealing, I just found it I, was undeniably fun to play. So that's how I, why I kept on playing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's also worth saying that 
uh, how you play this, your mileage may vary. So if you play this on an NTSC, Super Famicom or Super Nintendo from the era, perhaps with a uh, an HDMI mod or with a component cable or, or something nice like that, you'll get a very different experience to playing it on the Wii Virtual Console, which is slightly murky and uh, slightly anti-aliased for some reason. Uh, the Wii U Virtual Console, where the uh, the kind of the 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 contrast is is kind of flat and it looks kind of um, it, it doesn't really pop as well. The the N3DS version is nicely emulated, but obviously you're playing on a either a minuscule screen or a slightly larger screen on the XL. But you can um, you can either pixel match it and then it's got little borders, or you can have it slightly smeared, slightly spread out on the screen. So there's only um, actually the, I I would say that the way to play this where it looks the nicest beyond the original hardware is via non-official emulation on ZSNES or something like that. If you play it on a on a contemporary monitor on a on a on a on a PC, probably any PC from the last 10 or 15 years, uh, or 10 years, certainly. Um, yeah, it looks really nice. <laughs> so I would, uh, I would say that if the only version you've actually played is the traditional PAL SNES version, well, there is that then, too, then yes. it's a massive difference regardless of which one you're playing because that 15% doesn't sound a lot. It's massive when you play it. And, and the squashed image as well. Well, like yeah, You're already playing this. Yeah. That was all with that, but I mean, Borders was a known problem even then, and it, as you mentioned earlier, it started to get a little bit. It, it did get referenced in magazines and mm. and, and whatnot, and um, it was never something that bothered me until you. It, it's one of those things. It doesn't bother you until you've done it without. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. then once I played a, an actual sort of sixty hertz version of the game on a, a, like an NTSC copy of it, it's very hard. It's to go back. night and day. It really yeah. was with Mario Kart. Yeah, and, and Super it was... Mario Kart. As, it's a Super Mario Kart. Now, sorry, you can leave the Super off. Just don't add it onto the other games. No, it's fine. Um, but yes, as with Wave Race 64, the uh, the the borders were particularly egregious in a game where uh, it was. Yeah, I mean, obviously the speed loss and the feel loss uh is 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 a big part of the problem but this game is uh super mario kart is split screen all the time as we've discussed so if you're losing screen real estate uh, and you've got a slightly distorted image as well because everything gets crushed in to uh the same amount of lines on a bigger screen so your characters are actually distorted they're shorter and fatter it's not just you're losing in multiple areas with the with those old PAL versions. Like it's not just one little one little concern. It's a whole a whole slew of things which, as I say, we were fairly ignorant of up until a point. And then as soon as you're enlightened, it's it's, it's hard to uh, it's yeah very hard to go back and and hard I mean, not to feel not angry. Benefit. That's the thing is there was not one element better of our versions than the only, American or the Japanese. Only in very small, rare cases where a European developer had properly optimised for PAL so that it was actually displaying more lines of graphics. That was the only yeah. time we kind of we had the better deal. But even then, it would sometimes still run slower. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, visually, though, uh, the tracks for me, mm. I didn't find them particularly exciting. I just kind of accepted mm -hmm. them as that's the way they should be because they're in the Mario place you know as a, as a 10 year old oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's completely flat of yeah, course um, but the you know the, the the track designs themselves in terms of art like they're they're quite visually distinct so you've got either like a in the bowser track for example it's covered with lava so you know where not to go yeah and there's usually like um kind of 2d but pseudo 3d items in the way 
just give you a bit of like thwomps, for example, or the pipes. They give you a bit of depth perception as well. And I really appreciated the multicolored blocks that go around like as a perimeter border for you because it kind of gives you, a, again, a bit more of a depth perception of where you should be in relation to the track. But overall, I do think that the the contrast and colors that use, they make sense, but they also work really well to give you, the player, loads of indication of where you actually should be on the track. Like Cooper yeah. Trooper Beach, for example, you can clearly see like there's no multicolored blocks to um, stop you from going everywhere, but there's the deep blue sea that will stop you and, you know, Lakitu will pull you back out. And you can clearly see yeah. exactly what Eventually. Nintendo were going for in terms of visual design. Even on the choco, Excellent even on the choco levels where it's all brown, mm. you can actually see where not to go and where to go. Like, you know, the dark chocolate and the milk chocolate. That's how I saw it in my head. And then the melted puddle chocolate. <laughs> yeah. like, it's typical Nintendo design where, as a 10-year-old, you don't think, oh, that's brilliant art design. You just think that's how it should be because it's Nintendo magic. Yeah. yeah. I love the, the fact that it's vanilla and chocolate and all these delicious edible substances. And, and <laughs> un, unlike on... Uh, we're, obviously, we're doing Mario Kart 64 later in the year, and I'm, I'm a fan of that game. But uh, but Choco Mountain in that looks like t- Turd Mountain, whereas <laughs> whereas in, in, in on the Super Nintendo, it, yeah. it looks like delicious chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point. And I also I find Koopa Troopa Beach, Koopa Beach, the most uh, visually attractive mm. uh, track to look at. Yeah, we also uh, we can't go further without talking about the sound then, because I think uh, the music in all the Mario Kart games is really important. I think. Obviously, in 2014, they got the uh, the Super Mario Band in to play these live tracks with guitars and saxophones and bass and whatever else. Back here, we're we're on the we're on the chip music, and uh, and some of these tunes have never been heard again, but some of them have followed the series through. And this is a composer called Soya Oka, and she uh, had a grand total of about 30 minutes on the cart to fill. Uh, so it's a, it's a really quite a short soundtrack. Everything's made up of quite short loops. Um, but while I, t- I, I can't really express what it is exactly about why I like the sound of this game so much, it's so twee. It's ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's kind of absurd. But again, coming back to that thing we were talking about earlier, the sort of juxtaposition between the evil, the pure evil of the gameplay with this insanely cheery, chirpy music. And um, as the team said, uh, it's it was the first time, I guess, that Mario had been playing with his enemies. So there's this... So rather than Bowser being this, you know, ender-level boss that throws you into lava or you throw him into lava, he's now your friendly rival sporting pal. You know, this is a fun day out at the go-kart track and to an extent. And so it wouldn't have made sense. I mean, Bowser's, I suppose Bowser's track's music is a bit more full-on and intense, but, you know, you mentioned the, the Cooper Trooper Beach there. That music is so jolly it's just the, it's, it's but it, it yeah it's um it's it's a cute set of instruments that that she she uses and uh it's not a soundtrack that i would stick on my ipod and walk around listening to but it's a soundtrack that every time i hear it every time super mario kart gets fired up or it's used on a, another video on the internet or something it's like oh that's so that's generally that's it's sweet. very percussion driven yes yeah and, and whistles and and sort of carnival sounds as well. Yeah, yeah, and and um, most of the soundtrack I could take or leave, but 
the opening theme and Mario Circuit themes are uh, mm, they persist. Yeah, they're eternal earworms for me, and they're very nostalgic uh, for me to to hear. And you automatically get all these memories from uh, feverish uh, sessions of Mario Kart, Super Mario and Kart, the winning ceremony, you. of course. Oh, that's yeah, classic. Yeah. But they even make the ghost house noises work as well. It's just atmospheric kind of do 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 do. But they make it work with the kind of a low bass, you know. I yeah. wanted to I wanted to speak about the the ghost uh, house uh, music because isn't it almost exactly the same as uh, the ghost house music from Super yeah. Mario World? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yes, it, it is. I imagine that, there's, there's some slight changes, but you know, but I, I imagine overall it is you know this you know ninety nine percent the same. But I don't know how they made that work with platforming and racing. It just kind of fit. Obviously, the 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 visual aid is there to link the two together. But mm. yeah, yeah. it always seemed like the go karts go faster than Mario could run. So how does that work? In it's, yeah, it's very clever. <laughs> I'm still scared of the uh, the slippy tire noise on the, on the uh, on the ghost house circuits. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like sounds like uh, game over to me. Uh, yeah, Taro Bando is responsible for all the sound effects, and this was one of the very last times we heard uh, Yoshi's what I consider to be canon sound effect. His um, before he before he started getting cutesy uh, sort of high pitched voice. Also, the never answered question: How did Yoshi grow arms between Super Mario World and Super Mario Kart? Evolution. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's answered that. Bingo. <laughs> He's got a hotline to Nintendo, Kyoto. Uh, any thoughts on the on the musical sound? I think it does a good job of um, never being annoying because in a game where you're constant consistently racing around can be played over and over again music can become a bit of a drain mm. um it, it's something that is very noticeable when you've got licensed music in games it's perhaps why games like forza these days don't use that and mm. they use these uh sort of consistent tunes which is ideal for mario because it fits right into its wheelhouse and mm. i think uh it it's as you said leon it's not something that i'd listen to externally from the game but it's something that i enjoy fully in the game i mean for me there's no music in it that matches what's in super mario world i mean to mm. this day even this very morning i was singing the super mario world music whilst mm. i was in the shower that's my shower song for when i'm you know using my shower gel mm. um and i'm always sort of no more just, details just singing necessary. it along um but with mario kart I, I couldn't if someone said oh hum me a tune from mario kart i couldn't do it but if oh, I'm playing I the game, could. I absolutely can. Um, whilst <laughs> yeah. I'm playing, it's sort of it, it's there whilst I'm playing the game, and and, and it's a lot of fun in that regard. Mm. Uh, it, it's great at being replayed, but never becoming annoying, which is actually a bigger compliment than it yeah, may come across. The battle music yeah. is definitely uh, that. You know, you can hear the battle music a million times and still not get angry at it. It's just so it doesn't hmm. sound like a traditional Mario track, you know. But it just it just fits in with the theme so well, like. You know, just two Mario characters having a battle in a bunch of, you know, in basically a square with some, you know, little tricks and turns. But the music's just so bouncy. And the fact that they brought it back for Mario Kart 8 DX was just like a joy to hear it again in a different fashion. But like, yeah, overall, the music, the Koopa Troopa Beach sends tingles down my spine. The intro music is is mm. classic because you hear it every time you turn it on. But the battle music, I feel, mm. is, like he, is like the unsung hero. It's just so jolly but not not traditionally mario jolly it's kind of got its own vibe about it i actually just want to give a a little shout out to the title screen because it's often mentioned it's incredibly simple uh, but we were one generation on from the nes where the vast majority of title screens were just black with some 
coloured text on maybe a logo in in, in fancy cases. Uh, but here we had a little drive-by with the little characters coming past, and they would they would uh, they would accelerate and decelerate, and they would occasionally fire things at each other. And there were sort of yeah, Mario World style mountains in the background, and one of the things that made this very exciting were these chrome sort of shiny metallic letters of Super Mario Kart, which back in, in the early 90s made it look ever so swish and ever so cool. And uh, and I still think it, I think the, the font, the lettering on, on the Super Mario Kart logo still looks tremendous. At the time, I saw it a bit as a callback to uh, Super Mario World's title screen, which also has uh, animation yeah. and scrolling going on. Yeah, it um, feels less finished though. Like it's just a green background with some hills that you see in Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. But I've, it's almost like a like a kid's drawing. Yeah, uh, like yeah. Off, off the Mario grass. universe. In my head, yeah. there should be a, a track there where they're driving along, whereas they're just driving along grass, mm. which you don't normally see or you get penalised for. You in try game, to avoid it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Mad sucks from the forum says, "Man, did I ever love this game." first time i got to play it was when i did a console swap with a guy in school i was always a sega boy and this guy was a nintendork so we decided to swap our 16-bit machines and along with pilot wings super mario world and kevin keegan's football manager it was the first time i'd played mario kart and was instantly hooked the ghost house was by far my best level not just for the massive ghouls populating the sky but the music that accompanied it was just superb I would never go through all the characters and try each one, find out their strengths and weaknesses. I was always Yoshi. No one else, just Yoshi. Thanks to the wonderful world of emulation, I still play this game time and time again, taking in the atmosphere of the track, jostling for positions, going into each first turn and my personal highlights, driving over the question marks on the final lap, getting a red shell. Then if I was in second place, homing in on the leader, most of the time it was Cooper, and firing the shell on the home straight and watching him spin out so close to the finish line as I glide past and take first place. Ah, such memories. So yeah, it's uh, it's a game that I think is sort of quite noticeably scant in terms of content when you fire it up. Now uh, there are there's the battle mode with four arenas, which is two player only, and beyond that you have uh, four cups over three difficulties. And that is your lot, apart from time trial. Uh, so the mushroom flower star and special cups, each comprising of a different set of tracks. So it's twenty tracks in all. Uh, and obviously what makes it different is the, the really 50, 100, 150, as well as the actual movement speed, it's really the difficulty as well. Uh, the enemies are much more punishing and mistakes are just in, in not tolerated in on 150cc. If you drive into a wall, you've basically lost a credit. Uh, because, yes, this is a game from 1992, so you effectively, if you finish outside the top four, you lose lives. But then if you're going for a, a proper cup, if you finish pretty much fourth or third, you're probably going to have to ditch that game and start again anyway. Uh, it's a game that you can finish, as it sounds like maybe you did, uh, Darren, in, in, in not very long at all. And it's... Um, Certainly my experience with every Mario Kart since pretty much apart from maybe Super Circuit is that I can just steam through the single player and pretty much get gold cups at the first time of asking on most tracks, most 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 cups, most difficulties. But back then, partly because there was less content, partly because I think the game was more evil, even though there was no blue spiny shell. Uh, as I say, I don't think I ever got the, the gold special 150 cc cup because it was it just drove me insane it was hard it was yeah it was nothing to sniff at you know it was like i say it was a, it was a thing that i was called in for you know as a yeah like bringing the cavalry because i it took me ages to do as well it wasn't like i just 
did it. I, mean, I remember like stressing in front of the TV with my brother looking yes, over my okay. shoulder. So it was like genuine stress and pressure. Um, but yeah, it's all down to the handling though, isn't it? And understanding mm. like when to use your items against their weird bespoke items that you never really have chance to use against them. They've yep. all got their own version of, well, they've all got their own weapon, which I didn't really understand at first. I couldn't quite no. grasp why they were throwing mushrooms. They don't play, they literally don't play by the same rules as, as the humans. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But the the handling is is, is why I kept going to Cooper or Toad because mainly Cooper. Mm. But I just felt like I was more in tune with that handling. And it's not a traditional Mario Kart slide, is it? You don't wiggle the stick to get a you know no. gold boost or whatever. It's kind of it's really hard to explain, and I can't. I don't think I will put it into it's words. Hard to do. Yeah, it is really hard to do. <laughs> but you you kind of hop, and then you can kind of feel yeah. like a snap, like a friction snap when he hits the deck, and you can kind of feel it go around like it's really hard to explain um and it, it but of course the key thing is that the surfaces change this yeah. wildly so whichever the one of the yeah the absolute key elements of the gameplay in super mario kart is that every track i think pretty much every track has multiple surfaces apart from maybe some of the the road based ones i think but well, anyway the road is just you know a bunch of colors and oh, that, okay. that doesn't matter where you know whereabouts you drive that's that's the same it has a very similar feel to mario circuit and that it's really tight no matter where you are but the, the choco levels are really tough in terms of handling because it's yeah. really really loose and it's kind of like a rally you know you kind of have to take it into account mm. that you want to hop a bit sooner and you, you mm -hmm. kind of it's really hard to explain but you kind of feel like a, a, a snap attention in your character and then you, mm. you use that to swing around the corners so it's kind of a preemptive hop rather than doing it yeah. while you know round the corner you kind of want to do it before it's it's hard to explain. exactly the you the landing spot after your hop is where you want to start your your, your drift basically and it's kind of a feathering yeah. thing as well it kind of reminds me of like burnout in a way you, you you don't want to just hold you know the direction of the corner that you want to go around you kind of have to you kind of have to feather it a bit as well you kind of you need to use your you need all the coins to go really fast because that's when you get your best kind of inertia it's really like yeah. it's really kind of in depth when you think about it how much effort mm. they put into turning around these corners in a mario kart game yeah and i think this is exactly the thing although it doesn't feel like a driving game in any way really no. it's no. it doesn't feel like any other racing game it feels like super mario kart it only feels like super mario kart they change the handling completely from every every game onwards although they they've now over the last few iterations have settled on something well i say the last few probably since double dash they've pretty much settled on something uh that stays fundamentally the same um, but this game is is very much its own thing. Now, I can completely understand that a lot of people, and there's still a time trial scene for this game, and I still enjoy time trialing as well. Darren and I had a had a little uh, to and fro mm. just a couple of years ago on, on Super Mario Kart because it, it has these very, it has this very specific feel. But if you don't, if, if you don't get it, which I don't feel like I have currently, I feel like maybe I did in the past at some point, but never never as as good as some people it's it's horrific because if you get it wrong you spit you can spin out or you get caught on a, on a little mode 7 block that you can't drive through yeah and and it and it is pretty much game over and that's the that's where a lot of the frustration comes in so it's not only the mario kart classic frustration of the getting hammered by everyone coming through behind you it's the getting your handling your cornering ever so slightly wrong and ruining your own race yeah, it's it's very specific. Um, maybe 
the thing that came closest to it that I've been playing in recent years was uh, Super Circuit uh, mm-hmm. on the GBA. That has very similar handling, and it feels really weird when you go back to that as well from uh, yeah. from from new from newer titles. Yeah, that's a really divisive one that we'll cover in the future. I know some people consider Super Circuit the apex of the series and that it never got better again because it was essentially Super Mario Kart 2, whereas some people absolutely hate that game because it's not they don't like it as much as either Super Mario Kart or, or any of the games that came after it. So, you know, in traditional fashion, yeah, uh, it, it's divisive. But There's definitely something uh, to say about th- that very specific brand of handling that Super Circuit and the original Super Mario Kart have as opposed to the more milquetoast uh, driving uh, yeah. in, in later titles. But that's not to say that I think it's inherently superior. No. I, I'm, I myself, I'm not quite sure where I stand on it. Yeah, yeah. at least but you can't I'll, I'll do snaking. <laughs> yeah, with, that's, with true. This model. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder... As, yeah, I was going to say, as a, uh, as a driving, possibly the biggest driving game fan among us and bearing in mind that super mario kart isn't a driving game it's a racing game is perhaps the handling being so weird and out there and nothing like real driving is is that one of your biggest issues with the karting genre or super mario kart specifically it it it's definitely a strange thing when you break it down because i am a huge fan of driving games i'm a huge fan of racing games i would i think even to call it a racing game is, is sort of off the point because as soon as you bring in the weapons and the type of control, yeah, it's yeah. some kind of game. It, it does kind of blend genres between yes. being a battle game and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, and um, going to play it and trying to play it like a traditional racing game, trying to hit the apexes and whatnot was my goal. And it didn't get me any further. And I think a lot of my no. frustration was born as a result of that. It's like... It, if I race well, I get punished from being shot in the back. You yeah. know, if I don't mm. race well, I seem to still be in the race. It, it, there was always that level of frustration, and it's something that I still have problems with in in kart games. I mean, I, when yeah. we did the Diddy Kong Racing Show, I said one of the reasons I actually quite liked that one was because you could do the whole story mode in co-op, and I would have a friend who would do exactly as you mentioned earlier, Leon, in in terms of. He'd be the sacrificial lamb, or I'd be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. And, but yeah. but it also had all the elements, the hidden elements around the track to look for, and I, I enjoyed that depth that yeah. I felt Mario Kart kind of lacked. But where Mario, where Super Mario Kart is a bit different, is that my appreciation for it has actually grown over time. Okay. Um, so twenty five years on, I actually think higher of the game and its handling now than I did then. Mm. So I can go back and sort of forgive. <laughs> the, the the stuff that I didn't get on with uh, then now and and uh, one of the things that led me towards that was watching this game actually being speedrun and knowing how difficult the handling oh, is and watching yeah. people actually find a way to master it and utilize the tricks like uh, formulating who the opponents are going to be in the top three by specific timings and triggers and yeah. um, knowing knowing where to hit on the track. Uh, suddenly I see this game in a, in, a, in a different light and have done for probably the last three or four years. Mm. Um, so whilst the kart genre is still not something I'm 100% sold on, um, uh, Super Mario Kart is no longer a game. I have this sort of question over why do people like it when it doesn't <laughs> even handle that well kind of thing. Um, yeah. And yeah. whilst I'd still maintain that Mario Kart 64 is my favourite of mm-hmm. all the Mario Kart games... Mm-hmm. Super Mario Kart is definitely something I am positive on um, mm. as a result of its handling, whereas 
25 years ago, I didn't yeah. appreciate. So it's kind of um, the opposite of the feedback we had earlier from Blue Weasel Breath, mm. um, that he felt he missed uh, missed it at the time and can't appreciate it now. I actually appreciate it now, whereas I didn't then for yeah. for, for these reasons. So Masato Kimura, programmer, said, I spent a lot of time studying the physics of speeds, friction and inertia, but I soon learned that if I followed the rules of physics faithfully, the controls didn't feel like a game at all. It comes down to this. In a real car, the feel of the steering wheel is like an analogue device, but the SNES control pad uses digital on-off switches. Because of this fundamental difference, I had to go back and tinker with the controls over and over until I approximated something that felt right. And Miyamoto said it was an extremely difficult process. Imitating a real car didn't work at all. The only way forward was for us to keep meeting, talking it over and revising again and again. I'm afraid I also made matters worse with my advice that didn't make a lot of sense. Oh, this part feels good here, but it's kind of weird physics. Hmm, I don't know, though. Yeah, we should change it. All that back and forth. <laughs> just worried and annoyed, Kimura. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, ties in nice, nicely to what we were saying about the handling. Um, and the digital on-off switches, that's also a really interesting part because um, not too long ago, I uh, started playing Sega Rally on the Saturn. Mm. Mm. And that's digital. Yeah. Digital, but it's incredible how smooth that game handles. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like, it. the way it handles is like the, f- the longer you press the D-pad to a certain sign, si- sign uh, side, it's almost like the longer you turn your steering wheel, so it's mm. very, very smooth. It's, but uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's pretty incredible what they did, uh, considering it's uh, originally an arcade game with an actual analog steering uh, steering wheel, and yes. then translating yeah. it to uh, to digital controls. You can <gasps> play it with the knight's pad. Uh, as well, you, you can yes. Play, play I mean, I, mean I believe it's not Sega Rally <laughs> is consensus best digital handling on a racing game. Even to this day, it still holds up to play, and I know that that was the main reason why it was so revered on the Saturn. Um, but it it's kind of weird because um, if you play in something like Project Cars now, which actually has active go karts in it, or if anyone's actually driven in a go kart, they feel very different to. Um, how Mario Kart is, but also very different to how a car actually feels to handle. And mm. the having accurate handling of go karts in something like Project Cars isn't really fun. Mm. So to have gone for even to try and match closely to Mario Kart wouldn't have worked. Yeah, and digital handling in racing games or driving games, whatever you want to call them, arcade star racers. Uh, there's there, there have been a lot of other success stories. Like I absolutely, I was completely addicted to Ridge Racer on the PlayStation, and that's that's a ridiculously digital experience. But it's all based around this, you know, hitting the drifts. But then again, Wipeout, Wipeout twenty ninety seven. I only played that digitally as well. Um, so it's amazing what you can do with uh, with with uh, with clever coding of feel that uh, is you know one of those uh, unquantifiable x factors it's in, you can still play like even the most recent uh, version of wipeout the amiga collection on ps4 you can still play that digitally if you want to recreate the the feeling of playing it back in the mid 90s so uh, well done Correspondent Stanshaw from the forum says few things in gaming feel quite as satisfying as pulling off a pixel perfect slide around a long corner and then as you exit hopping in the opposite direction shifting the angle of your car onto the straight. It's the essence of Nintendo for me. The simple joy and feel of responsive movement. He did it. He put it into words that I couldn't do. 
I know that's why we have that's why we have our expert uh, community correspondents. Also, Buskalili sort of echoing more what Carl was saying. I came to Super Mario Kart quite late, having already played to death the GameCube and DS versions. Rather than finding it a disappointing stripped back experience, I found the digital precision of the Mode Seven racing to be a brilliant purification of the idea. Uh, so yeah, we talked about uh, the controls knopping. We talked about the look of the tracks. Uh, the feel of the tracks, I suppose, and uh, and also the the actual the the moment to moment of going round a, a Super Mario Kart track. So you've got to go over the uh, the the item blocks, which seem to rather come at the last minute because of that that low down perspective and the uh, the fact that everything is completely flat. There's no hills in this game, of course, whatsoever, and no even not even any attempt to uh, simulate up and down. I suppose the only thing you could say. That's a sort of mock-up of that is the fun bit where you've got the bridge that goes, you see the earlier section of track and there's a there's a, a bouncy jump which takes you over uh, the previous uh, bit of track which you can you can trap the AI in if you uh, if you if you know what you're doing which in an endless loop which is fun. That's very uh, F Zero those boosts they remind me of F Zero big time. In F Zero yeah. you're obviously trying to clear massive distances over the tracks whereas in super mario kart you're just hopping over a, a lane it's always it's always nice to see you know little races go underneath you as you are uh, boosting over them yeah it was um it's, it's kind of a weird feeling those boosts because it, it, it mm. doesn't feel natural at all it just kind of feels like like the mario or you know the cooper on the uh, on your screen is on a little stick and the, the stick just goes up and down <laughs> there's no like actual animation for them to be up in the air and down again it's just a, it's just yes. a sprite that goes up and down really rigidly but again they somehow they somehow made it work yeah it's funny in these days of uh where the where the where we do tricks off the jumps and i say these days it's 10 years ago since uh since mario kart we nearly uh but they're they're doing dabs and yeah. <laughs> all sorts as they go over <laughs> jumps whereas back then it's just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and going back to or uh speaking of f-zero as just slightly going back to characters and handling mm. um yeah the the uh, four character variations because yes, there's the always two of the of the type the weight classes mm. are direct analogs almost to the four vehicles in F Zero. So yep. Mario and Luigi are more like Captain Falcon. Yoshi mm. and Peach are more like uh, uh, the the wild goose, Doctor mm. uh, Doctor Stewart. Um, and then was it Bowser the, uh, and Goro? Samurai Goro. What? Yeah, Bowser mm. uh, and, and uh, are more like some. No, I think they're more actually like uh, the uh, the alien crafts, the green oh, okay, alien yeah, crafts. Yeah, yeah. And mm. I, I think that one was actually called the Wild Goose. And um, yeah, the uh, Samurai Goro is definitely heftier. And, uh, it's a mixture. It's actually when you think about it, it's a mixture of the two. Because it's, yeah, yeah, Samurai Goro had the highest top speed and. Uh, and uh, the green alien Pico had the uh, more of the, the the mass to to bounce others around tra the track with. And again, these these sort of similar systems or variants thereof came back in Wave Race and 1080. The yeah. the larger, heavier character. I mean, it makes perfect sense, especially in this game where your the weight class is not just about how it's not about just how you handle. It's also about how easy it is to get knocked sideways and getting mm. bashed. I would say yeah. even more so than getting spammed by Luigi's infinite invincibility power is oh, just God. getting barged off the track in, into the water. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to get from 
you I don't, you know I don't know who who out of us is the best uh, Super Mario Kart player we don't know um but I wonder I I played a lot of Wave Race 64 perhaps it's perhaps it's the most played Nintendo racing game ever of mine and I got to the point where I I played as Dave Mariner is he the fat one? The, he's yeah. the big heavy character. Sorry, yeah, and, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's 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 the overweight character. Yes, um, and you could all not only that, but also you could adjust the uh, settings mm. on Wave Race so that you could uh, prioritize acceleration yeah, or yeah. top speed. So I so know where I, you're going with this. Yeah. I found that the way to get to get the best times on Wave Race 64 was to play the heaviest but fastest character at the top speed setting and learn how to handle that. Whereas I used to, and I still do, I've been playing Super Mario Kart on my N3DS in the run-up to this show, I still find myself defaulting to Toad, Cooper, maybe Yoshi at a push because that's the only characters I can handle. Yeah. Would do the best Super Mario Kart players all play as Donkey Kong Jr. and Bowser because they're the fastest. And I'm ultimately. far from I'm far from the best, but I've been play, I've had the misfortune of playing against high level Super Mario Kart ah. or Mario Kart DS players. Ah, uh, yes. going a bit <laughs> further ahead in the series, mm. and they you see all you see is Bowser's and Donkey yes. Kong's on the track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I've done exactly like you did with my perhaps my most played uh, Nintendo uh, racer F Zero GX. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time, uh, you know, because it comes to a point where you you know the tracks well enough to where you don't bump into corners anymore. Yes, and even if you do, that's already a loss uh, uh, if you yep. play at certain difficulties or for yes. certain times. Mm-hmm. So. You might, you know, you have to calculate in that you're no, not going to hit anything. So at that point, it makes perfect sense to forgo all handling and all acceleration and just focus on pure top speed mm. only. Mm. Well, what I would say is in Mario Kart, I always played as the most robust, I think is the term that I would use, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, of, of the characters in Donkey Kong and uh, Bowser. Mm. And it didn't do me any favours because I was awful at it and I still am. <laughs> but yeah, there's obviously something behind it. And I also used the most robust character in Wave Race 64, which I was actually really good at. And, and I would probably be my most played uh, mm. Nintendo racer as well. But We'll yeah, cover that um, one day. Almost certainly we have to. But with Donkey Kong, um, I, he was always Junior. a character I wanted to play with because I really liked the way he, he looked. Uh, so, uh, yeah, other things that um, perhaps I never... Did I did I take it seriously enough? The coins thing, the coins, the coins thing is is odd. Now this is something that's gone in and out of the series, as we'll discover. Sometimes there have been no coins at all. Sometimes coins are picked up and then, uh, but they're obviously now in in eight DX they're they're floating. But you can also pick up a power up that adds a couple of coins and it, and it increases your speed up to ten. But in in this Super Mario Kart, in the original coins are lying around just flat on the surface, and it was. You mentioned earlier, Darren. It's kind of essential to get to get coins to max out your speed as quickly as possible. So the first lap or two is about knowing the not the racing line so much as the line of how to get the most coins. Yeah, oh, definitely. And you can hear it in the engine noise. The engine noise mm. is quite um, obvious when you're playing. It kind of dominates for, for me the whole yeah. noise coming out your telly. You can always hear it, and you can literally hear the the car engine 
you know, make quicker noises, I guess. You know, it's um. So is it ten levels? Are there ten different levels of, of speed, or is it up to twenty? I can't remember. You can end up with like thirty. I or remember 40 the coins, coins going, on... you know, very high, more than you know, Mario Kart Eight. I remember being in the thirties at some point. Whether it has an effect after a certain number, I don't no, know. No, I don't think. Mickey, or you, this is the sort of thing you, you're normally good on. Do you know when what the what the top level speed is, and whether it actually goes up one by one, or whether it's it's tiered in sections? I'm not so sure. Um, I'm. I think every coin adds a little bit to to your top mm. speed, but I can't say that for certain. And yeah, ten is the the maximum. Um, and of course, another thing that we have to talk about because it's Super Mario Kart is the uh, the much. The much missed, I think, in a lot of cases, although it does make an appearance uh, again in DX mm. in battle mode, mm-hmm. the feather. That's right. Yeah. So this is a fairly rare uh, power-up, depending on your position, because obviously this being Mario Kart, the power-ups you get are dictated, or the chance of thereof of the roulette going your way is dictated by position. You can stop the roulette early, famously, with a button, also other you know, secret little things that keep you playing this game are things like the, the the turbo start, rocket start, whatever you want to call it. Getting the timing on that right. But yes, the feather. So this was a, a race game that had the idea, which was something that I hadn't seen too many times before. Generally, racing games in the 80s, if you went off the track, you either blew up or you just got unceremoniously dumped back on the track. Uh, and... Those kind of things could happen here. You could go in the water, but there were certain corners, certain bits of the track where you could skip them with a big old boost and a big old jump. And that was exciting. That was this inc- incredibly tantalising risk-reward thing for good players mainly. I think the feather was meant to be in Mario Kart 64, but due to the nature of those tracks being notoriously out, buggy, yeah, they took it out it's, mm. uh, on some of the boxes. You can see it on the back of the box, um, yes. which is quite interesting. And a different character as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, there are very obvious bits uh, that are shortcuts in the track where, for example, a uh, multicolored wall uh, mm. has a hole in it, mm. which is a giveaway, like here, I need to use a, a mushroom to boost through to, uh, you know, to, to weather the uh, the rough terrain and just uh, get get ahead of the, the rest. Mm. Uh, but what I find still so fascinating about the feather is it's a create your own shortcut device. Mm. Mm. So there, yeah, it's it's completely free for where and how you use it, and of course, it, there are lots of spots in the tracks where it doesn't make sense to use it. But um, yeah, there are so many ways you can can use it at so many different points. I used to use the feather I've, to get out of bounds in battle mode when a red shell was chasing me. Uh, you should yeah. just jump out the the uh, battle arena just to avoid a yeah. you know balloon being taken away. Crafted. Yeah, that too. It was such a. Ah, the feather was such a, a sought-after item after they took it away from the Super Mario Kart game. Mm. Uh, you know, people were literally going, "Oh, there's no feather in this time!" Like, "Oh, they've ruined Mario Kart." It was such a, mm. it was such a big thing because you could, on Cooper Trooper Beach, pick your part of the sea that you wanted to hop over, or if you mm. were, if you were doing the Ghost House or the Ice level, I can't remember what they're called. Um, if you were doing that, you could kind of like. If you were about to hit one of those annoying side bumper bits that you know that disappear when you hit them, you could, yeah. you know, you could just jump out the way if you had one. It was such a it was such a nice free option to have, and not, you know, I never experienced anything like that um, in a, in a racing game. Uh, you know, for for a long time, it was kind of like you say it was it was a you know choose your own shortcut device, and it just gave you so much choice without really telling you when to use it. 
and could create some incredibly joyous, satisfying moments where you would come round if you were playing multiplayer, the final corner, you've got the feather, your opponent hasn't, your opponent has to actually drive around the corner. Yeah. You just go boing, straight round <laughs> and uh, spinning yeah. in the air with, with glee and, and boosting on past, which is yeah, it's uh, a, It's a what it's cool to, look, to, to see how high you actually bounce up and spin around it's got, through the yeah, air. It adds a, a little complete... ver- verticality in a game with no hills hmm. <laughs> yeah it, it looks completely goofy and it's got a great noise um, as well it kind of goes it's great yeah, yeah. Proper, <laughs> proper rubber but mm. you could see the feather not working in uh polygon based games uh, where the tracks are not completely flat right it would make you even could... less sense in 8 and 8 dx because you're upside down some of the time mm. so it would i mean it but it would it could it could still be fun i think but i can yeah. completely understand why they both took the feather out and put the spiny shell in there's there's there, mm. those are the two most controversial items well, one is much missed one is much maligned but yeah. actually i think there's a reason why nintendo keeps using them or, or not in in the case and um you know they yeah. have to trust they keep making these rather fun games Kono, uh, Hideki Kono says, I think we struck a good balance. If you're in the lead, you can't get lazy or you're going to get it. The items introduce an element of luck into Mario Kart. No doubt for some people who played F-Zero really seriously, the whole idea of luck in a racer would be anathema. So originally we had an option to turn the items on or off for the Grand Prix mode. Hmm. That was our quick fix for that problem. But I think that as you play with the items, you come to realise they're implemented in a balanced way. They give some hope when you've fallen behind and allow for the thrill of an upset victory. (laughs) So on further consideration, we opted for a flow similar to Dr. Mario and ultimately took the no item option out Hmm. so Sugiyama uh, basically said that he was poor at racing games and he was fed up of losing so he made a racing game where him and other unskilled players could get back into it with massive amounts of cheating and rubber banding and items so he he did what he achieved to do Uh, Miyamoto said uh, it's kind of like in uh, Kimodameshi, which is a Japanese haunted house theme park experience. I mean, test of courage. Uh, you experience fear even if nothing happens. It's precisely because you don't know what's going to happen that makes it, presumably Mario Kart, intense. If you knew to a certainty that nothing was going to happen, you wouldn't be scared at all, right? I think that's very important to the tension we experience in games. I think that indeterminacy, knowing that something might happen, is the most fun. And certainly that speaks very much about the the experience I've had playing recently when we've had... Because over the last three years now, I guess, we've had mainly thanks to Darren and his diligence. We've had some superb cane and rinse game nights on, on Mario Kart 8 and now uh, DX. And my experience is somebody who most of the time finishes uh, halfway or, or slightly above halfway. So it does show that, I mean, this is the thing, the same players will win all the time, regardless of these items, because you can be better than everyone else. And ultimately your racing skill most of the time will win you the game. But that feeling of being out in front for maybe a lap, sometimes a lap and a half, you know that the rest of the pack is is uh, is tussling away for their own mm. you know position, and then but that feeling, you know that there's something awful is going to happen <laughs> to you. Like, it's incredibly annoying when it happens, but also that feeling of uncertainty, exactly as Miyamoto says, because he's uh, a renowned games designer. Uh, it it is. It's Moorish, like it's addictive in itself that even if you know you're going to come a cropper, like you might rage quit, yeah. but you'll be back. <laughs> mm. 
I think this this quote really uh, indicates what uh, sets me amount apart from uh, from many other game designers, and that that insight in the emotional connection to elements of game design, like the 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 kind of emotion things will uh, will evoke. Yeah. It's not about necessarily what's balanced and what's fair. It's about what's fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they made this game that is demonstrably a cheat, a nasty, rotten, dirty, predetermined cheat. <laughs> yeah. And it sold nine million copies. And we're playing the ninth version of it or whatever <laughs> yeah. currently. People still can't get enough of it. Exactly. There's a you know there's a slight bit of skill to the weapons as oh, yeah. as, the, yeah. as the player. You know you can throw the bananas and hopefully land it on someone's head. Or you can, you know, you can aim a green shell across a corner, and you know, hopefully, oh, there's a great satisfying noise when you wallop someone with a green shell as well. It's only it's unique sure. to Super Mario Kart as well. It kind of gives them a proper cartoon kind of power, like a mm. proper punch. It's really hard to, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's mad. Like I love it, and it goes boom, 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 afterwards, and it's like <laughs> that. There's your reward. You know, you get a comical noise, and you know, you see your rival spin out and because oh. you did that with a green shell it's um there are a lot of needle, neat little trick in with the items uh super mario kart is also one of the mario kart games in which you can drag items behind you to shield yourself from incoming attacks you can uh, drop them off can't you can you can you in, hold them in super you? Mario kart, you can hold them you can hold them right you can uh, drag them behind you oh okay well, yeah, yeah i mean even the ai does that in in the modern games which is uh yeah, yeah which is it, cool it's it, it's part of some games and uh, yes. and and some games it's not possible at all. Yeah, I'm not sure it even tells you in the manual about being able to drop shells off behind you and and things like that. Yeah. Uh there's yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of tactics and strategy. There's it, it is one of those games where even though you know it's it's uh, it's it's taking the mickey. Um there's there you you always feel like you've got enough in your arsenal to determine the outcome. Yeah. which you have ultimately um but it may take you a lot of a lot of goes at a particular tournament to have all of the luck in a row and all of the skill in a row yeah there's a bit of finesse as well so when you get three red shells you might be tempted just to fling them off all in one fell swoop but if you think about it you know carefully you can oh, hear yeah. the the smack of the character and they spin out and then use the other two on some other you know characters that are lurk around the corner the the red shells they kind of they're a bit more determined in the snes version as opposed to mm. no um yeah so it depends on on the situation really if you're on a bowser course in the castle you're not really going to get the best out of the red shells um, too many right angles they're not yeah that's right it angles, yeah. but the in mario circuit for example they kind of they love the open space so they'll just go straight for the um you know the, yeah. the character and i kind of appreciate that more in super mario kart in later mario kart games they're a bit more zealous in hunting you down whereas yeah. in Super Mario Kart there, there's, a, there's an element of chance of I avoided that red shell you can even hop over them at the, if you're yes. really good you can hop yeah. over it and get away the AI with it, certainly like. can so the rival system yeah we should talk about it a bit more according to Mario Wiki Super Mario Kart has a different rival system from the rest of the series the rivals contain one very fast driver one fast driver one medium driver one slow driver and three very slow drivers uh 
interjection from me here this is incredibly noticeable on the easiest levels because you are lapping people within like seconds on the like 50 cc you can be lapping people within a lap and a bit it's, it's almost like they haven't moved off the starting line uh, it is notable that when one of the three slower drivers gets hit that cart will keep its place while when one of the faster cars gets shot it will usually resume its previous place very quickly unless unable to catch up fast enough before the race ends for this reason the drivers except the human racer will if unaffected always finish in the exact same order also if the player tries to hit an opponent the opponent jumps over the item a majority of the time yeah the rivals for each driver are always the same the list will be in the order the lineup for the first race it is possible to change the order if the rivals can't recover their place at the end e.g if someone is playing as luigi and yoshi finishes last yoshi will then become one of the three slower drivers while everybody takes the next position up it happens mostly on 100 and 150 cc. The rivals are determined by the current point standing, meaning, meaning that if Yoshi was still only second to the player, he will boost back to first position from the start. So that's basically the cause of all that the agony, the, the misery is that it, it, it's it, we kept saying it's predetermined to a large extent where everyone's going to finish based not only on what character you pick, but what happens in the first race and so on and so forth and all you can do is try to be both good enough and lucky enough and skillful enough to to uh, get enough points together to get that that elusive gold cup fortunately this was before they started giving out the star ratings uh, which or i still always feels a bit arbitrary anyway because you have ultimately there are certain things you don't have control over but yeah so I, yeah, my my feeling has always been, I don't know how you chaps feel, that it's so blatant about it and it's so obviously not pretending to be a simulation of eight characters all independently jockeying their way around a track and thinking from moment to moment. I think it's actually, in, in a lot of cases, the mistake that a lot of the clones made was that they didn't get why Mario Kart was so addictive was because it cheated. <laughs> it had this really clever... Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes cheating going on that made it so powerfully frustrating but also so so incredibly moorish whereas other games like in some ways it was more fun you know it felt fairer and so you felt like you could just get to the end through pure skill uh, but in another way it didn't have you coming back for more and more of that delicious masochistic agony yeah i think once again it's the tweeness and the cutesiness that saves the day here mm. let's let's say this game would have had a very different visual theme it would have like uh angry cyberpunky post uh, apocalyptic characters <laughs> and uh, a very doomy and glo uh, gloomy setting i think it, it it just wouldn't be fun you would just get angry with the game and that's it mm. i'd play mad max cop I'd play it. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, the, you know the, the anger and the memories of fighting against these cheating AI characters is why mm. you know you, like you say you did come back the fact that Luigi had kind of a a sub star on demand it felt like yeah and Peach had a sub lightning with her mushrooms like yep. you wanted to beat those people because they were literally doing things that you couldn't do on yeah. demand you're like why why do you get them why does Bowser get to throw what's it's on the course why does well what, what what are the rules here and the fact that you ever you overcome these cheating 
annoyances yep. is the fact that you know that, that it is why the game is so much fun is because you wanted to just teach them idiots a lesson that you know cheating isn't going to win like yeah. cheaters don't prosper <laughs> you know is that the phrase cheaters never yeah. prosper yeah i did it yeah well winners don't do drugs yeah. i think this falls back on uh what i was saying earlier mm. in that as time's gone on and i've realized more of what was happening as we've sort of seen behind the curtain yeah um yeah. i can appreciate what it was doing more than at the time where it just felt like a really yeah. uh, frustrating, angry, cheating yeah. horror show of a game. Yeah. Uh, now now <laughs> I actually quite enjoy that side of it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not for everyone either, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I, I one of my friends who I used to play it with, the same guy I was talking about, Donkey Kong Family Tree, with uh, his girlfriend at the time, there were there were literally teeth marks in their, one of their Super Nintendo controllers because, you know, she was a fully grown woman in her 20s, but she was desperate to get the, the gold cup on the, on the special and apparently she would try it every night and she would be in a rage, you know, a proper frothing at the mouth, spitting, mm. punching the floor rage and, yeah, their, their Super Nintendo controller had actual teeth marks in from... Well, she was never going to get it by no. biting the controller, was she? Yeah, That's yeah. a very strange she control should have, method. should have tried a different yeah. method. Yeah, but thinking yeah. about my time with uh, Super Mario Kart, I can't recall too much uh, much anger with the game. Really? I, okay. Yeah, but it, you it's, didn't play it enough then. <laughs> no, I played I played a whole lot of it, but uh, maybe it, it was because it was in my copy, so I wasn't trying to shoot uh, for getting uh, the perfect results on every True. every track. It was so, so much I was about play, having, I was always yeah. playing uh, playing along with with someone else um, and play, playing together and. I think I've always played the Mario Kart games kind of casually, and I, mm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I consider myself fairly decent at them. I was uh, usually winning from other casual, uh, w- uh, w- uh, winning yeah from other casual players, yeah. and that came back to bite me very hard when I started playing with a group of uh, yeah real competitive Mario Kart players, and that was the moment where I saw the red mist and where right. it was uh, was really getting to me. But I've yeah, yeah I've always played. Uh, Mario Kart in the sense of having a laugh all except for the time trials that is the time trials I've always t- took very seriously and just mm. tried to <laughs> shave your milliseconds off uh, mm. and, uh, but you know there's there's not much to rage at other than your own skill there because yeah. you don't have the cheating AI to, uh, to yeah. mess you up it's worth saying that there was even if it was self-imposed but also there was a certain amount of peer pressure to just having all the gold cups on on your screen mm-hmm. like even it's it's this super simple little presentation of a game as i say there's only about like four or five different screens to the whole game in terms of you know going from one place to another and, and menus and whatever else but one of them when you go into obviously once you've picked off 50 and 100 you probably don't really ever go back to those anymore but then you get to the 150 and the special cup in that and those that's the ones you see and if those aren't all gold as i say i i, I have a feeling i only ever got a silver on 150 cc special and 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 that would have been like a yeah like a, a black mark like a, a a dunce cap a mark of shame even though I was probably cheated out of it repeatedly. Uh, it was important to have those little trinkets and trophies in the same way as people still want achievements and trophies now or mm-hmm. all the gold cups on Mario Kart 8DX or, or whatever whatever they go for. Shabba Snake from the forum says, I can't remember exactly when I got Super Mario Kart. I was young when it came out, so I assume my parents picked it up for me, but I couldn't tell you if it was for my birthday, Christmas or on a whim. 
But while my initial memories are really hazy, I've got a whole host of happy times linked to the game. There was the sponsored games night put on by my boys brigade group, which turned into a 12 hour marathon Mario Kart session. The time my brother and I were allowed to set up my SNES up on the big telly by mum and dad, who cackled as we wound each other up on battle mode. The falling out I had with a friend when we fought over the right to racers toad, summoning the courage to try 100cc mode against racers, the instruction manual called aggressive. <laughs> I still own the original cart and sure enough every Christmas my brother and I will commandeer the bigger telly and get the whole room laughing at us. It's one of only a handful of games my non-gaming family members since expanded to include my wife genuinely enjoy being in the presence of. It's an infectiously joyful game, even on the darker levels in Haunted Houses and Bowser's Castle. I've played subsequent instalments and got on with them fine, but none have lasted with me the same way as the original Super Mario Kart did. Yeah, a bit more on battle mode, because it wasn't something that I ever got much out of. Uh, I didn't like it, it. To me, it always felt like a deathmatch game, but where I didn't have enough immediate control over my avatar because you're in a car. So it's never really been my favourite thing, but I know so many people love this balloon popping mode. Mm. Yeah, I've played uh, maybe, I think it was 50-50 between Battle and, uh, really? and Racing in uh, the original Super Mario Kart. 98-2 for me. And I think uh, playing Battle mode so much is where I really started uh, learning the, the driving mechanics. That makes the, sense. These particular driving mechanics of the games, you know, just really skidding very tightly mm -hmm. around those uh, around those barriers to mm. try and avoid getting hit by uh, by shells, for example. And uh, Yeah, endlessly enjoyable. Uh, even though it's strange to think about it right now because it was only a two-player game. Uh, yeah. So it's just one versus one, but... Uh, yeah, it was just so much fun trying to outsmart each other, outrace each other, and uh, get the best items, and uh, totally lay the smackdown on the other player. Uh, it was the water-based uh, battle course too, I think, in the battle mode, where it was, you know, you had um, your traditional layout, but instead of it being grass where where the barriers were, it was water, and you could sit in these little areas and taunt your, hmm. you know, your your opponent and they go oh, i'm in the you know i'm in the blue zone no no you can't get in here then they'll get a feather and hop in but then sometimes there's, a, there's an item to pick up in one of the areas full of water it was just so much fun like the fact that they had four battle courses and they were all completely different to play in and they were their own unique quirks and tricks it was yeah it was it was a, a constant in our house and like i said i was player two most of the time i was the cannon fodder but Oh, I just uh, like I say, like using the feather to hop out into the into the out of bounds. But it was all these little things that you learn from battle mode. <clears throat> like you say, they all they all fed back into the actual, you know, the the Grand Prix. You know, you you did learn to skid round corners because the red shell you could see the red shell being fired at you. So you wanted to get around that corner as, as quick as possible to you know make it hit the wall. So that's where I, I'm guessing that's where I learned how to power slide. You know, or as good as mm. power slide could be in yeah. Super Mario Kart. Same here, yeah. Mm. And uh, I, the impression I get, and the memories I have, because I did play it a little, uh, was that it was probably the most out-and-out -out fun in a way, like with the least flip side of the anger that the other modes would induce, even just playing one versus one, but certainly when the AI were involved. This, was, this felt kind of more pure and fair. Obviously, yeah. there were still random elements or, or whatever you want to call them based on the lottery of, of items, but actually it was... 
it was you versus them and you got what you got and you you dealt with it so there was there was less there was less cheating yeah, it's yeah very maybe pure. maybe that also explains my my you know the amount of time i put into battle mode also explains why i don't recall a whole lot of anger with my super mario kart yeah it could be <laughs> so yes world records still being broken of course, because there's always a scene. There's always been a big Mario Kart time trialing scene since back in the day. Since certainly since the internet, uh, the most recently broken record that I saw was uh, Bowser Castle Three, one minute twenty nine seconds point two five. Uh, so it was an equaled record. So uh, a Frenchman had it called Guillaume Leviache. Uh, on 2014 and recently 2015 in august two years ago that was equaled by michiel can you help me please carol van duivenboden duivenboden oh, i could have said that yeah <laughs> easy now, now you've had it read out to you uh, yeah so that was the most recent one that i could see uh i assume that um you can still sort of uh take a screen and upload your your n3ds super mario kart time or on wii u to meverse until they switch off the meverse um but obviously you can just do it yourself among friends and and i i'd say actually if if i was to continue playing super mario kart for myself that's probably where i would spend the most time now because i feel like for all the all the all that i've said about having fun with the evil of the cheating ai i've done that like i've, I've had my time with that and i still get to do it sometimes with uh uh, with with the more contemporary games, so but I still have a certain amount of fun, even though I'm not good at it. I still have fun on Super Mario Kart, trying to get that handling that I don't really get, and trying to shave those those seconds off my time. Um, you can still store all those times as if, obviously, back in the day, your cartridge had a a battery backup of some kind. Now it's all stored on your virtual console uh, SD card or whatever, and uh, they're still fun to be had. I think. Suits says, from the forum, I owned the carts, still do, but put the most hours into a friend's copy that we all used to gather together and play. There was four of us that used to meet at my mate's house and walk to school together. We used to, uh, we used to get around to his a little early each day so that we'd get, get a few laps in before we set off. For us, whereas the cups were good fun and battle mode was okay, once we'd unlocked everything, we spent most of our time playing time trials. Always Ghost Valley 1, always as Donkey Kong Jr. Using the heavy characters, DK Jr. and Bowser, meant that you had the highest top speed, but the slowest acceleration. <clears throat> slowest acceleration was nothing to worry about, though, as we had the second pip on Lakitu down to a perfect start each time. The time trial mode suited our limited preschool meat allocation perfectly, meaning that after a few laps each, we could set off after all having had a quick go. We started to get quick and shaving split seconds off was the aim. We even established that you were quicker if you hopped over the two full length yellow jump strips as opposed to hitting them, as hitting them meant more airtime and less traction. It really did make a difference. Cutting the corners as close to the blocks as possible was key to everything and muscle memory started to come into it. You could even make the bridge shortcut cut mode with a mushroom if you were at full tilt with full coins and hit the yellow jump strip at the right time, clearing the entire section before the usual feather jump. One of the boys, Lee, was easily the best at it, holding the record above all of us. When we'd start to get close from watching his techniques, he'd just find a way to get more tenths, a few more tenths ahead again. It really was a great time to play games. 
Regarding the game now, I struggle to go back to it. I find that more modern titles do almost everything in the game better now, which makes me find it hard as a reason to go back to. Nothing should be taken away from the game's original impact and defining gameplay it brought to the control pad, however. Playing Mario Kart 8 gives me everything I need from a kart racer now. Uh, So there's a few little cheats and unlocks to be had in the game. You can make yourself small from the start, if you really want to, by holding down some buttons. Yeah, Y then A, I think. Something like that. Yeah can't remember why you'd want to do that other than to for the sheer bants bants look i'm small uh but obviously it means you can get squished more easily i assume uh if you'd want to do that uh yeah there's a few other little bits and bobs but nothing nothing compared to what we'll probably end up talking about in mario kart 64 (laughs) in terms of uh things that were in the game that probably weren't supposed to be unless i'm forgetting something really obvious Nothing really stood out to me as being immensely fascinating. Uh, oh, well, one thing I, I did want to mention was because I think it's a, a great loss that really none of the games in the series have matched up to it. The custom win poses for the characters. Hmm. When you finish first, the end sequence uh, sort of came back in Mario Kart 64 with the giant floating fish, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> de- delightfully surreal in itself. Uh, but cheap, in cheap. S- cheap, cheap. But in, S- in Super Mario Kart, each character that you win with has a different animation. I mean, we're yeah. talking about three or four frames of animation, admittedly. But some of them juggle their winning bottle. Some of them have a little vine that goes up in the air. Some of them clap themselves, uh, and and it's ever so cute. And and I think yeah. <laughs> it, it's still really sad when I finish a Grand Prix in Mario Kart 8 or DX. And or you, I mean, the, t- the trophy looks lovely, sure, hmm. but nothing yeah. cute's happening. Yeah, that's the that's the, the low point as far as ending ceremonies go. But yeah, af, af, ever after Super Mario Kart, it's just been the characters driving around the track. Or in uh-huh. the case of Mario Kart 64, they park their... Uh, or their vehicles get lifted up by the the, the podium. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, it's something, but they don't have any individual. No, no, no. They just they just stand with their carts on the uh, on the mm. podium. Yeah, it's the same when you win a um, you know when you when you win a race in one of the uh, cups, you get a jingle that plays after the, you know you you clear the line. Woo, one. You know your first place, and then mm. it, you know Cooper Trooper's got his own one. I think it goes do 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 but when another when i watch a video of another character winning and it plays a different jingle yes that completely messes with my mind and that yeah. goes that goes for the other winning animations that i've probably never even seen i've yeah. seen the, the popping of the fish one quite a lot because yes. it's funny well who doesn't love an explosive you know inflatable fish that's brilliant yeah but like, some cool. of them, like they, they make um like you know the piranha plant stalks grow and i'm like that's mm. not the winning animation to this game that's rubbish mm. like, i want a popping fish <laughs> And it's worth playing through some of the, even if it's just some of the easy cups with it, with different characters, just to uh, just, just to see hmm. three frames of animation. Who is the character that very stylishly clings to champagne bottles together? Is that Yoshi or is it? I was going to say Yoshi, but I can't really remember. But that is pretty cool. Yeah. But champagne yeah. in, in a Nintendo game? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's yeah. pop. I, I like to think of it as uh, as non-alcoholic. I like to think that they're all getting completely wasted. Yeah, and drunk. they do lines afterwards as well on the track. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we summarise our Super Mario Kart feelings over twenty-five years, uh, we've tried to ask you to summarise yours. 
in just three words. It doesn't seem fair, does it? But uh, as usual, some of you have done a great job. Let's start with uh, Darren. Hmm. And this goes in theme with me making noises throughout this whole podcast. Boop, boop, beep. And that was by Mealtime Strategy. Amanda Up said, stuck on walls. Spencer Saunders, water is death. Neil Gilbert touches on something Leon said before. Like it, it takes longer. Jagger Gravening says, fundamentally unchanged since. Craig Craig said, Maud Seven Heaven. Matthew Hanlon, Donut Plains Forever. Gary McAfee, Feather Jump Shortcuts. Mr. Pink Eye, Balloon Bursting Battles. Eric Mickles said, Constant Friday Rentals. Sky Potter, Multiplayer Fallings Out. And Tommy DeSala says, Started a Phenomenon. Thank you. Some new three-word reviewers there. Keep them coming. The, uh, the, the, the cooler, wittier, funnier, smarter, the better. Right, well, let's summarise. We'll start with Carl. I normally try to work up from the most negative to the most positive. I'm not exactly sure whether that's uh, the case this time, but, uh, but Carl's obviously had an interesting journey with Super Mario Kart from, uh, from disdain to respect. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably a great way to put it. And I'm not sure it's a game I'll ever love. I, I, I'm mm. not even sure it's a genre I'll ever love. Mm-hmm. So it it's hard to be too critical of a game if the genre is something I've never overly clicked with. But certainly over the 25 years since Super Mario Kart was released, my respect for the standard and qualities that that game offers the player have improved no end. And I'm... I'm I'm a fan of how much other people really like Super Mario Kart and hearing other people discuss their memories and how they love to play it and their favourite tracks and uh, and power-ups and characters is something that, that I really enjoy listening to. It's, it's akin to when you get a video game that you maybe prefer watching someone else play than playing it yourself. That's how I feel about Super Mario Kart and I feel like there's many experiences that I've lived vicariously through others mm-hmm. and I for one minute don't regret that because if I don't click with it I would like to appreciate it or enjoy it in some other way and I know that Super Mario Kart is somewhat of a sacred cow it was a game that we were always going to cover when we formed Kane and Rince mm. and it, it's taken us a long time to get here and I always thought that it would make for an interesting discussion as a game that I didn't like. I was always quite open in saying that it was a game I didn't like. Yeah. And what is interesting is that it's taken us five years to get here. And in those five years, my opinion of the game has actually changed, hmm. which, you know, we, we pride ourselves on not discussing something within six months. And 25 years is obviously a little bit longer. And even over that time, my opinion of something's changed. Um, it. <laughs> As, as a series, it's something that I definitely enjoy now. Um, and, and a lot of that has changed with my opinions that have come from Super Mario Kart. And you, you sort of the, the enjoyable origin story of it all. I still think it's a beautiful game to look at. It sounds nice. The controls, as Leon has said several times through this episode, is maybe something that he's never quite got. And it, it's definitely how I felt about it. It's... I kind of enjoy how out of control I always feel whilst playing it, but I'll never feel competitive. And that side of my gaming enjoyment 
is why it leaves me so frustrated and, and so often I'll play it and, and not enjoy myself because I am not competitive. Um, so it's it's always sort of that yin and yang that, that there's something I really like and there's something I really dislike detracting from it. But it's still something that I think I can actually recommend for someone to play today. Uh, all the Mario Kart games do feel different, so there's no reason that Super Mario Kart has suddenly become unplayable just if you do get around to play it, play the NTSC version without the black borders and the the fifteen percent slowdown because it that especially in this where you're always in split screen mode does make a world of difference. Mm. Yes, completely agree with that. Yes, yeah, so I've owned many copies of Super Mario Kart. As I say, still play it sporadically from time to time. Every time it gets a re-release, I'll play it for a bit, do a few time trials, complete a few cups. I still find it very charming and adorable uh i don't necessarily want to go through the pain of winning all the cups again against the uh, notoriously cheaty ai and the the fact that the game is very deliberately stacked against the uh, the human player it's a shame that the n3ds version doesn't support multiplayer but there are still ways of playing this multiplayer legally and illegally and of course hopefully a whole bunch of people will uh, rediscover the joys of super mario kart on the uh, the mini SNES, whatever it's called, uh, later this year. Hopefully the emulation on that will be absolutely uh, top-notch. It will look and feel great. Uh, and there'll be some uh, there'll be some swearing and pad gnawing and stuff going on in, in houses uh, later this year around the world, maybe at Christmas and stuff like that. Uh, it's I consider Super Mario Kart at least, yeah, I've got like several copies of it in various forms I consider it a kind of essential part of the collection even if it's not a game that I I play all the time but I do have a lot of fond memories uh, of being really really furious at it which is odd but there it is uh, Mikhail Croda yeah um, I was hesitant about coming on uh, the Mario Kart podcast uh, Super Mario Kart podcast and Mario Kart 64 that is uh, because I wasn't sure if I was going to have anything interesting or insightful to say about them, even though I've played all the games in the series and I have my opinions on which ones I like most and which ones I think are better. Uh, and speaking of that, I think it might be fair to say that Super Mario Kart and Mario Kart Super Circuit might be the Mario Kart games that are the purest in some sense and the most skill-dependent We've uh, we've spoken about uh, the typical way of handling that uh, that Super Mario Kart has, and that it's not like the the driving or handling uh, driving any other uh, racing simulation or racing game or game uh, at all really <laughs> or game that's out there. It's very much its own thing. Yeah. But within that consistency, I think it's very very skill dependent there's a definite skill uh high, high skill ceiling to to mastering it mm. uh, maybe more so than in any other mario kart games where the tracks got wider uh the uh item usage or the weapon usage got more uh widespread uh there were more and more items were getting introduced uh as catch-up mechanics that uh yeah, could could uh, basically were almost unavo- unavoidable. The only real unavoidable item in this game is the lightning bolt, mm. 
which was the, the blue shell of its time, basically. Like, uh, I'm going to yeah. blast you all and, and drive past you and flatten you. Um, but it wasn't just you that it affected. That's no, the key it, difference, isn't it? It was exactly. the whole pack except for the person who used it rather than the first cart. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if Super Mario Kart is my favorite game of all the games, but I definitely consider it maybe the purest and most skill-dependent game in the entire series. And uh, there's something to say for that. Cool. Definitely. And let's conclude with Darren. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Super Mario Kart has been one of my favorite games of all time since the you know the the year that I probably laid eyes on it I can't really remember when as I said earlier but there's a reason why I had it you know the box art the Japanese box art framed and put on my wall because it is one of those games that I look back fondly on you know as a, a Nintendo high point uh, especially for the series um you know there was a reason why when Mario Kart Super Circuit was first revealed I was breathing a sigh of relief that it looked mode 7 again you know it's kind of like oh back to form and uh, mm. that's because Super Mario Kart was just so it left such a massive impression on me in terms of understanding it's, uh, it, the Super Nintendo for me was kind of even though I'd never had one I kind of milked those games because Nintendo knew how to make a really good learning curve you know and even though Mario, Super Mario Kart does cheat I do feel like it had a, a, a good enough learning curve for you to understand and become good at the game same as super mario world you know you kind of by the end of it you kind of feel like you're the you're the master of that game and i kind of felt the same way about super mario kart um yeah it's it's really good to play you know if if you're not a fan of the modern trappings of a mario kart game you can go back to this one and not have a blue shell it's fine you know uh, but um, I think the simplicity of it of it all really does lend itself a lot of favours, you know, 25 years on. And uh, I, yeah, I recommend it pretty much wholeheartedly in 2017. It's it's a classic for many reasons, as we've discussed. And um, like I say, it's uh, it's up there with one of my favourites. And yeah, you should, uh, if you've got a new 3DS, even though you don't have multiplayer, definitely, uh, definitely give it a shot regardless because there's an experience there that is... The, the GBA version kind of comes close in terms of just the raw essence of what a Mario Kart game is. And I, I do think mm. Super Mario Kart is the, the distilled version of Mario Kart because, you know, it's the first one. They're not going to go in with all guns blazing. But uh, I think, you know, less is more in, in this case. And it definitely remains up there as one of my favourite games of all time. Yeah, you know, and, and definitely one of my favourites of the series. Um, yeah, amazing. I really, really like it, and uh, I kind of wished, looking back on it now, I kind of wish there was more to it, but hmm. um, even though I just said less is more, I, looking back as a person who's played it for 20, you know, not, you know, it must be yeah, nearly 20 years now, I guess, I kind of wish there was more to do in it, because you look at it now and you're like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit bare, and then, yeah. and then, and then yeah, you know, you do start playing it and you think, actually, no, I'm going to give this another go and uh, teach those cheating characters what for. Yeah, um, a Nintendo classic for good reason. Lovely. So, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Carl, Mikhail, and our editor, Sean, as well as all our correspondents who definitely contributed a lot to this podcast. Thank you to all, all of you for listening as well. And remember, if you've enjoyed this and our other podcasts, please consider heading to Patreon, our Patreon page, Kane and Rince, and donating that minimum of a dollar a month or more if you think it's worth even more. 
if enough of you do this, we will make double the amount of Cane and Rinse shows in the future. Patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. Make it happen. So next time in issue 283, it's the second of four podcasts regarding the adventures of Geralt of Rivia in our uh, The Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings show. Until then. Don't, 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 don't,